morning. Good morning. Yeah. Tasty good. lick. What you got for us this morning? What's that? What you got for us this morning? What is that on your ring finger? Some jet slide. Oh, jet slide. See? Switch from uh, fretting to slide work. I love slide guitar. Neither of which I can do very well. Oh. got some good advice from a professional coach a number of years ago who also happens to be one of our investors mm-hmm. and we were <clears throat> negotiating how to be a married couple and also partners in business and something you often hear is that married couples often end up breaking up when they go into business with us. It is the opposite where I have this fixation on making sure that you are happy all the time. And if you're unhappy or you're having a bad day, I go into a panic and I like, what can I do to make Michael like not have these bad feelings, you know, immediately. And I realized through the coaching that it wasn't actually your discomfort I was trying to alleviate, it was mine. Because I'm so uncomfortable with you being uncomfortable, and that comes from all the daddy issues or growing up in a codependent household, the, you know, the pleaser thing, the pleaser tendency, these are all very you know common themes when you're mm-hmm. sitting on the couch. I thought that was a bit of a breakthrough. So a manifestation of that, is that I am obsessed with your health. And if I read something about health and I think it might apply to you, I immediately yeah. ADHD mania go in a full mode of mm-hmm. uh, applying this newfound knowledge yeah. to your physical well being. Right. Case in point, I read that tomatoes have a compound in them, starts with a P, I think. Wait, I thought it was lycopene, isn't it? Is it lycopene? Has I a thought. pea in there somewhere? Maybe not. Maybe we're that has, I'm sure uh, there's a lot of demonstrated to prevent prostate cancer. So I started force feeding you tomato tomatoes to the point where you developed a lesion inside your mouth from all of the acid coming from the tomatoes. Yeah, I was probably eating too much. Well, but, I mean, uh, you'll eat you'll eat yeah. anything I put in front of you. Pretty much, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you got to be careful with those uh, types of foods. But no, it was uh, certainly um, was well motivated, uh, thoughtful, slightly perhaps uh, misguided. Ultimately. Another thing I've been fixated on throughout the years is air quality. So we live <sighs> right by the highway. Yeah. The air quality in Northwest Europe is actually quite poor. And I know you've had some sinus and nasal issues. He He's shaking his head. No, Michael has sinus and nasal issues. He has a deviated septum. He gets headaches. 
So I... There's nothing new. No, it's not new. This has been going on throughout the years, but I've... Right. In other words, it's me. Gone through manic episodes of spending hundreds of euros on air purifying plants mm-hmm. that all... Some of them died, but then others, like those spider plants, really started to proliferate. And I hate spider plants. I don't think that they're pretty. And our house was covered in plants. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't know if it made any difference at all. So you certainly still got your headaches. Oh, of course. To me. Then I bought a bunch of humidifiers yeah. once. And now I have our house um, is peppered with Dyson air purifiers, which actually are really Ridiculous. nice. Yeah. They cool the air. They pull all the particulates out of the air. Yep. Draw unbelievable amounts of power. And don't really do anything. Then the next thing was uh, apparently breathing through your mouth is quite harmful because we're supposed to be breathing Which, through. By the way, where are you getting? Oh, getting, this is this is from the Nestor book, book called Breathe. No, no, yeah, it makes total yeah, yeah, yeah. sense. Like breathing through your nose. Yep. You know, the purification through the cilia in your nose occurs. Sure, it sure. warms the air going into your lungs. Yeah, well, that's, and that's you are, you do tend to, your mouth falls open when you're sleeping. So then I became obsessed with that. And so then yeah. I bought surgical tape where Michael has to <laughs> tape his mouth shut at night. Poor Michael. No, I don't mind doing that, actually. Um, but yeah, it's look, it, it, I, I'm sure there are better and worse ways of breathing. But, you know, I've been here five plus decades now i you know there is a version of breathing that i'm obviously capable of mm-hmm. uh it's not optimum um but you know i think also especially when it gets a little too wooey and you're talking about oh you know it's really make sure that you do your deep anal chakra breathing or whatever it's like yeah okay but you know you just really can't breathe from your anus or whatever uh um. So, I think sometimes you breathe those... into your anus. Well, I think as just as um, every teenage boy knows, at least one other boy, or they themselves are the one uh, who can um, belch on command, so uh, swallow air. I think you are actually capable. There are some, uh, ex- especially gifted folks, uh, who are able to you know, um, uh, do the same sort of thing, but uh, through your anus uh, instead. So um, the fart on command uh, versus belch on command. I mean, these are important skills uh, that can keep your friends in stitches naturally. Um, so yeah, there, there's something like that. But uh, but the idea of uh, breathing directly in through their, you know, deepest, most yogic uh, brown chakra or whatever the anus might be, uh, and then have a direct connection to the lungs. I mean, that now we're yeah we're way off in the in the woo weeds. Um, but yeah, breathing is is definitely great. Uh, and I was, um, you know, any time that I've uh, run for any period of time, I have you know worked on being very conscious um, of my breathing, uh, including you know keeping in mind the somewhat obstructed uh, airflow that I have most folks I think have some deviation uh, in their septum I do as well Um, so trying to balance just how much air I can get in through my nose uh, keeping in mind that it is warming it and probably doing better 
uh, is easier to process and, you know, it serves my purposes better if it comes in through the nose versus the actual volume of air they get in through my mouth. Um, yeah, that's something that I've sort of focused on uh, in, in running. Uh, and especially if you're running in colder temperatures, I think that then you become very conscious uh, of the nose breathing. Um, but also doing the, you know, what, how many paces am I doing on an inhalation? How many paces am I doing on an exhalation? All that sort of thing. It's nice to be conscious of those things, but it really is just breathing. Uh, and, you know, when we're awake, we breathe all the time. Again, maybe it's not optimum breathing, but, you know, there's a kind of a, long tail or something or whatever there's a six sigma pointlessness about is that the best possible breathing it's like yeah it's good enough for me you know it, it keeps me alive so yeah i mean i'm the one that has the very flaccid immune system i'm the one that gets sick all the time and when i get sick it's for like a month uh when you get sick it's for 48 hours I don't know why I'm so fixated on that. I should probably focus that more on myself. Might help. Well, it's I'm the sweet. one that's wound a little tight. That's very, yes. Well, that's <laughs> fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, again, it's, I'm it's, just realizing this now as I'm listening to you. So you're not realizing. I you am. know this. Well. No, what I'm realizing, I should I should maybe focus on my own health and not be so preoccupied with yours. That's what I thought. This I'm was the new on. pillars. Strategy. Yeah, the pillars have been amazing. The pillars have been amazing. Right. But I'm just saying, oh. focus on your own pillars. Yeah, the gut microbiome, hormone health, mental health, no pain yeah. policy. Yeah, right. life-changing. Oh, well, that's the other thing is that I have started for the winter season uh, my fermentation uh, project. Mm-hmm. So just fermenting vegetables. Yeah. Uh, but again, a little crazy. So... Um, I've got all my different yogurts, my different yogurt strains going. Um, thanks to Janet Bumpus, who we'll have on the podcast soon. Kind of tuned me on that. It's been interesting. Um, and uh, kefir and um, uh, kombucha, of course. Lots oh, of yeah. I've seen that everywhere. in the uh, refrigerator. What What is that uh, kefir stuff? Kefir. Is that some sort of... It's just another fermented dairy, dairy. product. It mm-hmm. is a dairy product. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it is an animal product. Mm-hmm. And then what, what happened? Is it like curds or something? No, it's or? just, it's like drinkable yogurt. Drinkable it's got yogurt. a little bit okay. of fizz to it. So it's really nice. It. Okay. It's really, really nice. Okay. Politicians love to condemn things under the strongest terms possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's rare that you hear somebody condemn something in the not quite strongest terms or the mildest terms possible. It's pretty much unheard of. It helps. As soon as they condemn something under the strongest terms possible, there's a complete reversal well, of the behavior. Well, it's just rhetorical con- nonsense filler, though. Condemning. It's just what they got in their facts. It's like, oh, say this today. All right, I'll work on it. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. The, sh- the sanctions usually follow. Oh, sanctions? Always. Yeah, you can have sanctions, sure. And then they also love to stand with. That's a new thing. Elizabeth Warren loves to stand with whoever she loves to stand with. Right. Well, she's a fighter. Mm -hmm. And she'll tell you. Um, 
Yeah, stand with people, stand alongside, stand next to, stand on top of, stand over. Mm. Um, yeah, what, what can you say? I mean, I assume that the uh, lapel pins have switched from uh, blue and yellow to blue and white. Oh, Zelensky's got to be like, oh, I know. shit. Yeah, yep, yep. No. No more headlines for us. Yep. I'm not even sure he's going to be able to afford any more cargo pants or T-shirts. I, for anyone who's listening to this, which of course, as we know, is almost no No one. one. I am looking for someone who is an expert in African-American studies, literature, culture, because I want to discuss the list of phrases and expressions that have come from African-American people, from black people in America that have become so incorporated into everyday speech that we've forgotten where it came from. Specifically, uh, you noticed. An example, we saw it on... Blinkers. Blinken. Oh, he goes, yeah, Israel, we've got your back. Yep. Uh, Standing next to Netanyahu. So this is not the off the cuff you know generally the grandstanding that you do when you come down the little stairs off the plane that's slightly different than when you're actually standing at the podium um you know the podium is typically should be more formal i would think but indeed uh, he and uh, bb are uh sitting there by their podiums and yes he's assuring them that he has israel's back the shout out the uh the 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 hand sh- the sort of like the upright handshake combined with the side hug slash usually like back slap <laughs> you see everyone doing that now i mean i saw they were like two people up on stage uh from the european commission or the european union you know gunter frockenbach and yes. hilga Yep. Doctor, you know, uh, what you know, Michael's Dottier, yep. fist bumping up on stage in the most embarrassingly awkward, horrible. I gotta stop saying horrible way. Where did? Don't forget, people, where that came from. Did you ever see the program uh, Enos? Everything about African American culture is appropriated. Everything. I would like to explore that with somebody who's an expert in this topic. I have to find someone. Reminds me, I got to finish the Elvis film. But uh, have you seen the uh, television program Enos back in the day? No. All right. I believe um, Enos uh, was a spinoff of uh, Dukes of Hazzard. Um, I need to check that, but I think that's correct. Anyway, um, Enos, you know, naturally the the Dukes uh, and Sheriff Coltrane are in. Uh, Hazard County, Georgia. So, you know, Enos is uh, your typical, at least as portrayed on television, uh, backwoods hick. I don't even know the, I should know the fellow's name who played him. I know Roscoe's name. But um, anyway, he's probably actually from New York City or something. But, you know, you, you get to uh, portray bumpkins and uh, nobody gets upset. And it's certainly not in the 70s or 80s. Anyway, um, so Enos, for whatever reason, I guess you must have tested well with audiences and said, uh, you know, so they say, hey, let's uh, let's greenlight the uh, Enos spinoff program. Well, I think Enos. Yes, go ahead. 
I'm doing something with my hand right now as yes. a mannerism that uh, mostly um, white gay men have appropriated from black women. I'm pointing at you and then I'm sort of clapping my hand. Like, oh, I don't know that. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. I'm listening. That. Enos, keep going. Uh, anyway, yeah. So I believe in the spinoff. Uh, I'm kind of talking on my ass because I really only... Uh, don't talk out of it. Breathe out of it. Once, Exactly. Um, it, I, I assume that the, the uh, premise was uh, Enos uh, is going to the big city. So Enos gets partnered. He's still a cop. So he gets partnered with his um, you know, new partner uh anyway what you mentioned here uh seeing you know the various members of the european commission um you know fist bumping and uh getting uh jiggy with each other uh reminded me of i i believe you know you, you cut away and uh back from commercial break and you have the little still image that's what used to be on uh, there used to be this thing called television tell the folks at home what television was but um but you watched it and then there are commercial breaks anyway uh you come back from the commercial break and there's like the still image uh on television the uh the enos image so his, his partner um was down with it of course enos wasn't but he wanted to be uh, hip and cool. So I believe that the image was uh, that the black hand extended out like palm up, you know, like do the old palm brush, right? Yeah. Uh, but Enos, in his attempt to be down with it, um, gave it a, a thumbs up, uh, Fonzarelli style. Right. Uh, so it's it's the black open face palm uh, and the white uh, thumbs bumpkin. up on top of it. Uh, yes. It's anyway. So yes, that's sometimes when I see. Um, uh, cloud, yeah, whatever. Uh, some of this, um, I don't know why they must think it is generally understood by the kids, or are they trying to appear uh, hep and uh, cool? I was walking down the street with a colleague of mine back in the Seattle days, and we were talking about hip hop. We were just making conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just said out loud, just just a throwaway comment. Um, I mean, like I meant it sarcastically because I already knew the answer. Are, you know, I said, well, are, is it just because black people are cooler than white people? And right. he said, of course black people are cooler than white people. And there was this old black guy behind us and he just burst out laughing. And uh, that that's why it's very simple. It's because black people are much, much, much cooler than white people. And and we just want to appropriate their coolness for ourselves. And that's why it happens. Oh, I don't know about that. You don't I know mean, about that? No, I, I don't know about that. Um, I've seen the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I know that that Carlton Michael, fella, you have he, got to cool. stop. It is so tedious, the what? 80s references. Come on. Let's let's just I like keep it real and keep it current, 90s. please. I think that program Or whatever. Anyway, I'm, I'm saying there's a grand podcast. tradition of portrayals of uh, African-Americans uh, who are not cool. Um Michael, and, uh, just, I, I, I don't know where you're going with, with this. I am talking what? about real life in general, everyday people. Talking about real life too. If television doesn't reflect real life, what's the point? Um, no, but look, you can't say things like black people are cooler than white people. I just people. did. <sighs> That's 
it's so wrong. And I understand the, imp- I've heard the, you know, Rolling Stones or whatever say, oh, I wish I was black. Yeah, they do. Because they're much, much cooler. I don't even know what that means. There's, you don't know what that means? all different kinds of, uh, yeah, okay, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, and you have to be so careful here. What are you going to say? All I'm saying is that whenever there is a new trend in Uh urban music, urban slang, urban expressions of speech, it always gets co-opted to the point where you forget where it even came from. Unless you really think about it. I don't think you do forget where it came from. Um Perhaps those people who are trying it on, uh, who or for whom it's you know less authentic, um, they have either forgotten or don't know in the first place where it came from. But if you're talking about you know trying to very consciously um, convey that you know you're you're down with uh, the kids, see, you uh, just did it. What that that's people are down with there used to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard um, Celine Dion uh, talk about. Uh, oh yeah, how is everybody in, doing in the house? In, in the house, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know who the first person was. Well, I but, bet it was a black person. Well, it's certainly when you get into D A, yeah, H O U S E, yeah. That, then that's or you know, <laughs> but it, you know, it never goes too far to the like i haven't heard i mean maybe it's, there must be examples of it but you know do people really talk about their cribs i don't know like i'm, I'm talking about like white europeans i, I don't well not everything they, yeah well that's what i'm saying so that far but so there's some that you know having someone's back that's a I think an easily understood concept. So you can see how that one would get picked up. Mm-hmm. If instead you say, you know, whatever, uh, a, a crib or, um, you know, to pimp one's ride, uh, these require a bit more explanation. If indeed they even have explanations, maybe they just sound cool. I don't know what um, getting jiggy with it means. Uh, I think I must kind of intuitively know, but I don't know why it would mean that. That's just a lyric in a song, though. Nobody ever was saying that. Well, I, I but move when on you because you're not talk about mm. what it means, or, or you, you, what does it mean to be down with something? If you actually, it means I like it. The, okay, but w- what is the explanation for that choice of phrase? No, but that's not what I. That's you're changing the subject. What I'm saying, I don't want to talk about the origin of the phrase. I'm talking about that that the people who come up with those phrases are always African-American people and then everybody else steals it. That is talking about the origin of the phrase, but I understand the distinction you're making there. So you, the, the subculture that it comes from uh, versus the actual word choice. Well, this gets back to uh, our discussion of poetry as well. And mm-hmm. uh, if you're just conveying this meaning, why particularly should you choose these words? Um, I don't know. Maybe they sound cooler if you have someone's back. Mm-hmm. As opposed to yes, it sounds much much cooler. <laughs> it does sound cooler. Um, yeah. Now for a hundred and eighty degree change of topic, which is why you have someone's back because their back is turned away from the potential threat. 
I was listening to Lex Friedman's latest podcast where he's having a conversation with Jared Kushner. Mm-hmm. If I had never heard of or knew anything about Jared Kushner, and this was the first time I had ever been exposed to him. And by the way, it was the first time I'd ever heard him speak. I would have been very impressed. <laughs> never heard Jared Kushner speak. Have you? Yeah. yeah. I would have been very impressed with this guy. He's very well spoken. He's extremely well informed and educated on the uh, sociopolitical situations in the Middle East. He was responsible for brokering a de-escalation in a diplomatic tensions between uh, Qatar and the UAE or Saudi Arabia. And he has uh, an MBA. He has a law degree. He went to Harvard. Uh, and he could not be more blue blood, Upper East Side blue blood. Still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, conservative Jewish blue blood, but, um, but, but I was very confused and very conflicted because, because you had Jared an opinion Kushner. of him already. So why did you have an opinion of Jared Kushner particularly? Because he was nepotistically hired by Donald Trump for a diplomatic position that required negotiation among between nations. Okay. But everything in politics is nepotism. Well, now see, that's the thing. In, it, it is very uncomfortable to have to admit to yourself that everybody, for the most part, the vast majority of people in politics are mildly corrupt, power hungry. That's the, with the exception, hopefully, still of Pete Buttigieg. But, um, don't roll your eyes at my Pete. I'm still, <laughs> have, I'm still holding out for Pete. Anyone no. who wants the job is unfit for it. Mm. But uh, well, do you think less of uh, the original Bobby Kennedy? Uh, just because he got handed the job from his brother? Mm. I mean, You have th- to th- ask th- yourself about those that. questions. And the attorney general actually has power. Uh Secretary you have to State ask yourself those questions, uh, you know, that. Well, okay, but what is the answer? That, that John Does Kennedy that make him less... was a philanderer and a drug addict. Well, uh, yeah. Dependent but... on painkillers, maybe is a nicer way to say it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but... yeah, yeah, and FDR had little withered legs and uh, Harry Truman liked to drink. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, those sorts of issues didn't enter the conversation then. No. Um. But they should do they not, have? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think there are many reasons that John Kennedy wasn't a good president and would not have been a good president had he continued. Um, but it has nothing to do, I don't think, with being... Um, but there were many many reasons why he was a wonderful president. Well, I wouldn't agree with that. Mm. Um, first of all, he wasn't there long enough to do much of anything. Um, but... Uh, I don't, I find it curious that you obviously had uh, some opinion of Kirshner and now are you willing to, are you considering rethinking that or what's, how are you processing this information? Yeah. I mean, he, so his father went to jail for white collar crimes Sure. and in the podcast, he was pretty open about that. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of people out there whose 
fathers go to jail for white collar crimes. Well, John uh, Kennedy's dad would have, but they didn't prosecute that sort sure. of thing. <laughs> and everybody was saying that Jared Kushner was going to go to jail because of the collusion with Russia. Sure. We were all really looking forward to everybody going to jail because of collusion with Russia. It didn't materialize. Well, Trump's already serving two terms in both federal and state prison. And it is so... It is so disconcerting that we may actually be in a situation where, you know, we're not saying mainstream media anymore. We're saying legacy media. Oh, Christ. Is, Are you fucking kidding me? I know. I think that's what we're saying. We're supposed to say now. What does that mean? Is lockstep behind the Democratic Democrats agenda. Well, Democrats agenda is not that much different than Republican. Right. And that's why it's so, no, that's why it's so, I I can't really, I can't really, so I'm about to go, I'm about to say an African-American thing. I can't go there (laughs) too much because I have shit to do in my life and I can't think about the world the political struct political the political spectrum that's making all of the decisions for the rest of us being so blended. There ain't no spectrum. There's no <laughs> spectrum. No, there's there's a club and we ain't part of it. But look, I, mm-hmm. I don't know that this is any different than it's ever been. I hope not, but. It, yeah. it, okay, so let, let's, let's, let's go there. We think about mm, all the president's men. We think about the glory days of 70s journalism that brought down Nixon. Mm-hmm. It's always a Republican that gets brought down because journalists tend to be more liberal bent and by the way so am i i'm a very i i am a bedwetting <laughs> liberal yep. yep but i am calling into question everything and it's really quite bit bit scary i'm trying to not use any of my band words <laughs> um, we have a new band word that will be um announcing at the end of the podcast by wait the what's the new band word i'll, I'll announce it okay. at the end of the podcast okay. um Okay, so so what are you doing with this information? Are you distrusting uh, whatever information you're being fed? Are you more proactively um, attempting to form opinions about these figures or their policies? I guess the conclusion that I'm making is that people who are in high positions of power politically really want that power. The power is a perk. And these are personalities that need to be managed so that you can get things done. So you need to understand what their motivations are in order to get things done. So you have to appease to their desire to hang on to that power. And you have to manipulate them so that you can get something done so that they in so that they and in and in doing so reassure them that they get to maintain their power. 
which in a general sense is what all human interaction is. Hmm. If you want someone to do something for you, whether it's whatever, uh, bring me my check, um, or I, I mean, this is all, it's just people influencing other people mm -hmm. in order to affect outcomes that they consider to be beneficial. I don't see anything wrong with that particularly. In combination with the fact that there are, <laughs> I'm going to start sounding like Bernie Sanders, too many billionaires. Get your finger back out again. Let's, let's just say I, any, any famous billionaire you can think of decided to give a billion dollars to Hamas. Is there any legal way to stop that person from doing that? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. I mean, well, okay. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting that you necessarily think that there should be a way uh, for them to stop. So my point is that there are a few people in the world that can just, that are, that are, sw that are moving all the levers that affect sure. the rest of us. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, <laughs> there's that old, uh, uh, Carlin bit. I think, you know, it's a big club and you ain't part of it. Yeah. Um, but it's not true. It's, it's actually a relatively small club. Um, I think one of the things you uh, touched on there was um, the idea of, uh, you know, financial contribution. So when you're talking about something like, well, yeah, this this gets complicated. But um, insofar as it's not a uh, people, it's not a nation, um Hamas is essentially a political party. So if you're asking if people can contribute to causes that well, it's not they a believe political party, in, nobody well, can vote them into. Well, they have. They 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 are a party in power. Um. So if you're saying, are people allowed to support causes that they believe in? I would say uh, in some cases they are. It depends on whether we're allowed to believe in that cause. Um, there's discouragement of displaying Palestinian flags in the UK right now. Braverman's all over that. If that is construed as supporting Hamas. Yeah, because Palestine is not Hamas. Well, no, but... If you were to say that the United States is the Democratic Party um, in the sense that the <laughs> chief executive is a Democrat, I don't know. I mean, that's not particularly wrong. But yes, of course. Um, and this is one of the problems I think you have just with the modern concept of you know, nation states or whatever, there there are peoples who might be, uh, could have clusters of genetic characteristics that definitely mark them as a distinct people. They might have 
um, the cluster of cultural shared experiences or religious experiences. All these might comprise peoples, um, whether those peoples have <laughs> states uh, is a separate issue. Um, whether they should is also a separate issue. How many actual demographics of people are there in the world? Are there actually Palestinians? Is there such a thing as a Palestinian? Um, this is not intended to be an offensive question. It really causes us to think, um, you know, when people say I'm American, and that means so many different things to so many different people. Um, what is it to be an American? What is it to be a Palestinian? What is it to be a Palestinian now versus what it was to be a Palestinian two generations ago if one self-identifies uh, that way in an era where self-identification is apparently king? Not every member of the United Nations recognizes Palestine. So can you have Palestinians without Palestine? Th these are you know, philosophical questions as much as anything, I think. They naturally have political ramifications, but, you know, politics is just something we made up. It's just like anything else. There's no objective means of analyzing politics, I don't think. Well, yeah, border, country borders are something we just made up. Everything, everything is a myth. They are, um, but... If everyone agrees on those borders, and in this particular case, I suppose those borders change over time, but if everyone agrees on those borders, then that sort of collective delusion in the same way that, you know, the economy or fiat currency, this is all just something we dreamed into existence. But if everyone or if a critical mass of people are on board with the concept, um, then it's, I would say, as valid as, you know, physics it it is a reality of the world now when, when there's not a critical mass if it's just uh whatever the illuminati or, or a small club that's actually making these decisions yeah that's perhaps problematic if you believe that democracy is in itself a, a good thing um but for a lot of people the again just the the dream the delusion uh, the imagining that democracy is a good thing because it leads to better outcomes. That's very different than saying democracy is good in itself. Because if you say democracy is good because you get better results, then you have to prove that. It's much easier to just say, well, all things considered, I think it's better to have, you know, a lot of people making these decisions. Mm-hmm. The other, the other thing I think that complicates that is that often democracy is intertwined with capitalism, at least right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Late stage, uh, yes, hyper-capitalism. Perhaps not even the capitalism that Adam Smith would recognize. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's very interesting. But isn't this also just kind of a race to the same... Uh, if all of these power brokers are yeah, motivated. Yeah, that's the point. The hyper-capitalism yeah. is destroying democracy. Hold on just a second. Yeah. Hold on, hold yeah. on. All right. Capitalism it. and democracy. Yes. 
Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about capitalism and democracy and how capitalism, unregulated capitalism poses a threat to democracy because it introduces... Perhaps. Mm. Perhaps. But... Corruption. Then again, Mm. I think, um, you know, I can only discuss it most meaningfully from uh, an American perspective. Um, I don't think that a lot of the things that... uh, um, is it, oh, how should I say? It? So I I don't believe that a lot of what are seen as um, threats to modern democracy um, are necessarily <laughs> the case. Uh, but also, um, I don't think that uh, some of this stuff has anything to do with capitalism, particularly, um, and especially. Well, I mean, something I'm reminded of is. Uh, like the uh, so-called uh, Citizens United case, which you know people make a great deal of, um, I I I don't know what exactly the what speech uh, really um, encompasses, but I don't think it's unreasonable to say that one's you know financial contributions um, could not reasonably be construed a, as speech. Um, it's of course not literal uh, speech, but you know, of course, literal speech wouldn't include things like, you know, disseminating your beliefs through uh, printed uh, leaflets. Um, I think people would call that speech. Um, so I'm not sure that something like um, financial contributions should not be thought of as speech. But of course, uh, they can reach a point where some people would consider them. Um, problematic uh to the democracy i don't know classic makes someone would consider them problematic to the democracy yeah well i like to say things that are uh, almost certainly true and probably not very meaningful because they're so uh i've been accused of uh, equivocating uh and i have uh conceded that um occasionally under certain circumstances, I might equivocate. So uh, there, there's my meta commentary on my uh, sometime equivocation. Meta makes. Yeah. Now, these words will not be banned on the podcast, but they should be banned <coughs> in everybody else's podcast. Okay. Because they're overused. Referring to America as the Republic. Everybody loves to do that now. Uh-huh. Or the American experiment. Stop it. true, though. I know, but the thing is, everybody's saying it now. Because they think it sounds cool or... Yeah. If it becomes buzzwordy, then... It's buzzwordy. That that is an issue. But, yeah. Okay. And what else? That's it. So the the new band word for the, the Rock and Roll Porter podcast is terrifying yeah. not everything is so ter- not everything's terrifying right well <laughs> ai is terrifying <laughs> right yeah uh you know super packs are terrifying super yeah. um you know the trend toward gender reassignment in children is terrifying okay yeah. just 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what's terrifying is being in a foxhole in bastone terror when <laughs> this is your new thing when it's uh, all bastone for it's you it's all bastone yeah. when the enemy is lobbing bombs into your foxhole that's terrifying yep 
You know what's terrifying is is being in the Gaza Strip right now. Um, Let's just hold off on AI being terrifying until. That's more terrifying than who sits on the Um, spoon court? I think that's the doggy doorbell, so I think we'll wrap it up. All right. Uh, All right. See you later. All right.